it all kind of happened quite quickly for me. Um, I was, like I said, I was a small country girl. Um, didn't really think about ever going to America until um, probably I was top age under 18. So I would have been 17. Why not? <laughs> Might not have, you know, a bit of experience could be, could be good. I don't know. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was very quick. That's for sure. Another season in the books, the podcast featuring European professional athletes who pursue their university degrees at home or in the United States. We'll talk about the ups and the downs, the pros and the cons. We'll hear from each athlete as they talk about their journey through academics and athletics. I'll also be talking to coaches and getting their opinion on the subject as well. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 11-year veteran in Spain's professional basketball leagues, Liga Femenina 2 and La Liga Endesa. Let's get to it! Welcome back to another season in the books. This week, it's my pleasure to bring a little gopher pride onto the podcast. I know we've had at least two Wisconsin Badgers on the show, so it's about time we stayed true to our roots and showed the University of Minnesota some love. After hearing the sound clip, can you guess where this former gopher is from? She wore the maroon and gold during my college days, back before 2010. This small town country girl flew across the globe to suit up and take classes at one of the largest universities in the United States. She never imagined basketball could take her so far away from WA. What's WA? Western Australia, of course. Zoe Harper joins us to share how she ended up at the University of Minnesota, the adaptation process to a new life on and off the court, the decision to return home after graduation, and what she's up to now. Here she is. Good afternoon and good morning for me, Zoe Harper. How are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. It's been so long since we've got to chat and this podcast is such a great excuse to reconnect with people. So I am absolutely like delighted uh, to be able to catch up with you today. I know it's great. I can't, we haven't, I have, I don't know, I don't know how many years it's been since I've actually had a, a chat with you, especially live. So that's very exciting. I know it's probably been since my last year of college or otherwise, I don't know if I came back a Christmas or something and maybe saw you over Christmas break, but it's been a good 10 years at least. It has been a while. I, yeah, I can't even remember back that far. <laughs> <laughs> a lot has we're, changed. We're so old now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. But um, yeah, a lot has changed since then and a lot of new life developments, but we'll get into all of that. Um so as we start, well, and you're speaking to us from Australia. Where exactly in Australia? Uh, Perth, on the west coast of Australia. Okay, so it's 12 o'clock here, and it's about 6 o'clock where you are, six hours different. Yep. Okay. Yep. Six o'clock wow. at night, yep. You are my first Australian interviewee, so this is very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel privileged. <laughs> yes. Um, well, my first question is just thinking back to your childhood. Do you have a a first sport memory? Gosh, you're asking tough questions already. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. First sports memory, I don't know, when I was probably first when I started playing basketball when I was six. Um, and my mum was the coach probably, I don't know, 
probably my first sport memory is, yeah, playing for your mother as oh. your coach. That was pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that your mom was your was your coach when you were just a little six-year-old girl. Oh, it was a very, like, basic league, you know. Right. I wouldn't even call it a league. It was, just, <laughs> it was just a few kids who wanted to play having a little bit of fun running around after a ball. Right. You weren't working on 2-3 zone or, you know, full court defense or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, what's that? I didn't know that, that was when I was that old. <laughs> Just um, trying to get the ball up as high as the the hoop was good enough for us. So what would you say that you grew up in a sports-minded family? Uh, definitely. Um, my dad played football um, at a pretty high level in, in, in West Australia. Um, so I would definitely say that we were always involved in some sort of sport. Um, and growing up in the country... Um, country western australia um, we always played you know basketball in the summer months and um, field hockey in the winter months so i was playing sport all year round okay and when you say your dad played football are we talking american football are we talking soccer are we talking rugby what are we um so none of those it's ah! um, <laughs> it's um australian football um so oh, i don't know even though it's kind of a mixture of everything um, they kick a ball between some posts um, or trying to get points and goals. Um, you'd have to Google it to find out really what it's about. Too hard to explain. <laughs> okay, I will. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and your brother, did he play any sports? Um, so he played as um, footy um, and cricket. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, cricket. There's another sport we don't really play in the United States. And here in Spain, you don't see it very often either. In Australia is obviously always quite strong. No, it's not a, it's, it's, I find it quite a boring game, not going to lie. Cricket. <laughs> yeah, I find it quite boring. Ah, I've never actually seen a game. I've only seen it on YouTube, you know, but I had some, I was teaching English a few years back and there were some girls in my class that were from Pakistan and they oh, yeah. loved cricket. They loved oh, it. Oh yeah. It's very popular over there as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, I would say um, like they do test matches, which are like over a week, you know, longer matches. They're a little bit more boring, um, but they have this new thing called T20. It's been around for some years now. Um, it's a lot fast-paced. They're trying to hit the ball a bit further, so it makes it more exciting. Yeah, it's probably like, I mean, baseball can be really boring for people too, but if you grew up with it and if you enjoy just sitting and talking with friends and eating sunflower seeds, you know, you have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I'm sure people who play cricket love it, but yes, I don't. It's not one of my favorite that's for sure <laughs> yeah um so when would you say you started getting serious about basketball um probably when I was probably under 16s um I was when I first represented WA for state um at that time I was still living in the country um so I would have been about 14 probably that would have been the first year serious competition that I played in um so I represented uh WA country at a tournament and then I did that for two years and then I moved to Perth um, for year 11 and 12 um, and I then played for um, WA Metro um, and I started SBL um, and then two years later I went to college. Okay so when you say you moved to Perth where were you living before that? Uh, yeah so I was living in a, a town called Albany um, it's about five hours south of Perth 
mm-hmm. um, a lot smaller. Yeah. yeah. So you said goodbye to mom and dad and you moved to Perth to like a, I'm assuming it was a um, like high performance or um, what, do, what do you want to call it? Like a high performance academy, sports academy? Um, so it was actually just a, a high school that specialized in basketball. Okay. Um, so in in Perth, um, there's lots of schools that specialize in different sports. Um, the one I went to, Willerton Senior High, specialized in basketball. Um, so I came up to go to there. Mum and dad actually moved up with me. So oh. um, my brother at the time was already living in Perth. So they didn't really have anything keeping them down in Albany anymore. So they also decided to move to Perth okay. um, when I did. So hmm. this club, they recruit, you know, players and then your high school classes. I'm assuming it's like pretty intense basketball wise, maybe practice every day. I don't know exactly what your schedule was, but then your teachers like. It's quite different to America. Um, So basically you tried out for the program. Um, My state, when I played state, that was my tryout type thing um and then that you go and um we had like a specialized basketball teacher um or coach or whatever you want to call her um and she we used to do we would we would do some sort of basketball every day so Mm -hmm. whether it be on court or in classroom type health um but yeah quite different um high school and then um SBL, which is our Perth League, is quite separate because um, not every high school offers, obviously offers um, a basketball program like Willerton does. Yeah, I, I just don't think we have anything, at least in Minnesota, I have never heard of anything like that. So I'm trying to get a understanding of what this basketball program was. But I'm assuming you would have like pretty intense practices and um, then the majority of the players on your team were probably thinking about playing after high school? Um, yeah, so most of the um, players that I went to school with, um, they continued playing basketball outside of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and our junior leagues in Perth are called um, Wobble, West Australia Basketball League. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have all ages. Um, look, I'm not sure what the youngest is. I think it's under 12s is the youngest. Um, and then it kind of goes up to um, you've got under 18, under 21, Division 1, still under Wobble. Um, and then we have a league called um, SBL, which is the State Basketball League. Um, and that is um, if you're a good player, you'll get asked to play SBL. Um, and then okay. it gets a little bit more serious. And that's when we start having imports from other countries come in and play as well. Sure. Um, so when did you start thinking about perhaps playing basketball in the United States for your university degree? Oh, look, it all kind of happened quite quickly for me. I was, like I said, I was a small country girl. Didn't really think about ever going to America until probably I was top age under 18. So I would have been 17. And while we were at the tournament, there was a few coaches and American coaches from colleges and also um, they're like recruiters for the colleges. So basically they go to all the tournaments, they recruit players and ask if they're interested in going over um, and then colleges will contact them to see if they know of anyone that is, you know, a a guard or a a centre, you know, this height, 
whichever, whatever they are ask, are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they obviously go through all the players that they know of um, and then they'll put them forward or, you know, send tape to the colleges to look at. Um, and it kind of goes from there. So it wasn't until, yeah, probably top age 18s that I, when I got asked if I was interested, that I thought, oh, why not? <laughs> Might not you know, a bit of experience could be, could be good. I don't know. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was very quick. That's for sure. Wow. So did you sit down and have a conversation with your parents and were they just very supportive and you said, okay, like, let's, let's look into this. Yeah. Look, I think they thought, you know, it was a good opportunity for me as well. Um, I think they were just a bit surprised that, you know, that basketball could take me to the other side of the world. Um, so I think they just saw, saw it as a good opportunity and, you know, they've always been very supportive of everything that I've done. Yeah. So, Yeah. Especially like what you said, you know, you come from maybe a a small town and um, all of a sudden you're getting offers to go across the world to play university basketball. You know, it's it's a big adjustment. So how did Minnesota come into the into the cards and what made you decide in the end to go to Minnesota? Because it's cold in Minnesota. It's a lot colder than than Australia. It is. It is definitely. Um, look, I'm actually not sure how Minnesota got my details. Um, I'm assuming it's through one of these scouts that, uh-huh. you know, the colleges contact. Um, and then I narrowed it down to four schools, um, four schools in, in America, and I went on my visits. Um, and look, honestly, when I went on my visits, it was, I think, June or July. Mm-hmm. So um, it was rather warm in Minnesota. Um, and, look, when we were there, Minneapolis was beautiful. You know, everything was green. It was warm. Um, and it really reminded me kind of of Perth. It was, you know, with the Mississippi running through, we've also got a river that kind of runs through Perth. Um, yeah. And then I think what kind of won over Minnesota was definitely, I think, the girls, the girls that I was going to be playing with. Um, I just seemed to have a really good connection with the girls when I went on my visit. So I thought, yeah, Uh this is probably where I want to spend my four years. And your freshman year was 2006, correct? Or no? Yeah. Yes. Yes. 2006, 2007 season. Yeah. And I'm thinking back, I remember specifically um, a team dinner that we had at Coach Borton's house. Was that your official visit or was that, had you already committed? Because I remember sitting out on the patio and I remember sitting with your parents and your dad was talking to me and he said something and I just started laughing because I was like, oh my gosh, they really talk like that. (laughs) He he said something like, oh, bloody hell. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) But I don't remember Uh, that would have been one of their visits or if that was your official visit I, I can't remember uh, that would have been my visit before okay. I committed to Minnesota yeah okay so you had I, go ahead because I because obviously I was coming from Australia I only went on one visit to each college um I never did you know it was my official visit right. um, I just happened to have I did all four at the same time um because obviously to come back and forth for a couple of days was just going to be too much um <laughs> And the flights are a little bit longer than just, you know, a couple of hours here and there. Um, so, yeah, so that was my official visit. Um, yeah. And then after that, I came home and, and that's when I chose Minnesota. 
Okay. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you were able to go on official visits because I know a lot of players from Europe um, and other countries, either they don't necessarily have that option or they just don't decide to do it. But in your opinion, would you say that it's important to go on those official visits? Um, look, I think that's kind of the same for Australia. I don't think all players go on those official visits, the ones that decide to go to college. Um, for me personally, I I think it was good. I think, you know, you get to see the college, um, you get to meet the coaches, um, you get to, to also meet the players that you're going to be playing with for the next however many years. So I think I think it's important um, to really be able to get a feel for the college and make sure it's the right pick for you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like I didn't really know a whole lot about college when I decided to go. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's probably things I would do a little bit differently this like if I knew what I know now. Um, but, yeah, at the time I definitely think the visits really helped me make my decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can always, I think, in my experience, too, I went on some visits, and you hope you're making the right decision, and you might, you might think you're making the right decision, and then your college experience can be positive, it can be negative, it can be both. Um, but I do think it's really important for for athletes, student athletes, to be able to go and see people face to face and walk around the campus and just get a feel for it. So I would so recommend definitely. that. Definitely. I mean, you know, when you're talking to someone, you can't, when you're actually in person, you get facial expressions, tone, like, you know, they're obviously trying to sell. It's a, to me, college is a real big business, you know, like these coaches are getting paid quite a lot of money um, to, to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, you do hear a lot of what you want to hear. Right. Um, so <laughs> I, I think, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, easier over the phone to kind of sell it than it is when you're actually in person you have to actually make it look good right exactly they wine and dine you on those official visits oh Um, definitely it was the biggest two weeks of (laughs) there was lots of whining and dining in two weeks that's for sure (laughs) where else did you go to visit um so I also visited Penn State (laughs) Ah. Um, and I visited um, the University of San Francisco um, and the University of Stony Brook on Long Island. Okay. Long Island. Yeah. yeah. So, look, when I decided on my visits, because there were obviously more colleges that um, spoke to me or that were interested, um, and I just went over the ones that I thought looked good <laughs> or, you know, the coaches that I talked to that I thought sounded the nicest. Um, <laughs> I, like I said, if I knew things di- that I know now, I would have done probably things a little bit differently. Uh-huh. Um, but obviously at the time it was still a great experience. I was still very lucky. I mean, you know, not everyone can sit here and say that they went over to America and played basketball for four years and also got a degree out of it. So, mm-hmm. um, I definitely still appreciate what I was given. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then you arrive to the University of Minnesota campus in the fall of 2006 um, mm-hmm. or in the summer. Did you come in the summer? Uh, August. So. August. Okay. And what was that adjustment like? I mean, you're adjusting. There are cultural differences. Um, new, everything's new. You're balancing basketball and academics. Um, what was that freshman year like for you on the court and off the court? Um, look, I think my, it was a real adjustment. Um, I'm very close with my family. So that was probably the biggest adjustment is obviously you can't just, 
if you're having a tough time, you can't just, I'm going to go home for the weekend and see my folks. Um, so that was probably the toughest um, part about my freshman year. Um, but uh, mum ended up coming and surprising me. Do you, I don't know if you remember. Um, so that was, that was nice. So at least I got to see her that year, which made it a lot better. Um, as far as school, look, to be honest, I found school quite easy compared to Australia. Um, I think our schooling is a little bit harder. I just know when I was in doing whatever for exams, it would be multiple choice questions, whereas you wouldn't get that in Australia. You'd be having to write essays and, um, you know, your exams would be three hours long versus, you know, the hour, whatever you got to do your exam in America. Hmm. And it's not like that for everybody. Um, I just, yeah, I found it the adjustment for school wasn't as hard, but in my first semester, um, the homesickness just made that made it tough. And then obviously basketball wise, it's nothing like I've ever done before. College, I think one reasons why lots of Australians don't tend to last in America um, is because I just don't think they know what to expect. Like I said, college is quite a big business. You know, they're trying to perform, um, and I think. You know, you come from Australia, your trainings aren't as hard, they're not as long. Um, you then don't have to do weights on top of your basketball. You're not trying to juggle school. So that was obviously a big adjustment in that first year. But, yeah, I'm glad I stuck out the four years. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely was tough. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I think um, we can say that about almost all incoming freshmen that when they come in, they're just like, what is this? This is so much work. This is so much running. These are so many weight lifting sessions. But if you are from the United States, you probably do have somewhat of an idea as far as like, it's going to be really tough. And I think that happens to European players as well as Spanish players that I know that have gone over and played maybe for a year or two, and then they've gone home. But it is, it's very intense. And it's interesting to hear you say that as well, because I know that, you know, Australia has some really good leagues. And um, I was curious to know, like, what, if there was a big difference between what you had come from and what you experienced at the University of Minnesota? Um, Oh, look, in, in our state league, um, you know, a typical week for us in our state league, so in the Perth League, um, we train twice a week. Um, you go to the gym, you know, yourself if you want to. <laughs> um, you play on the weekend. We play either one or two games, just depends if you have a doubleheader or not. Um, so that's as far as our state league goes. But is that um, professional? So our state league is semi-professional. We do get imports. It is paid. Okay. So. Yeah. But then do the um, majority of your teammates, are they working and doing something else besides playing? Oh, yeah, definitely. So it's that's why I say it's semi-professional. Like okay. some people, some not all the team gets paid, obviously, um, just certain players. Um, and then you're also, yeah, you're also working as well. All our trainings are at night time so that you can fit in work as well. Obviously, imports that come over and play in the league, they don't work. Um, they get paid an import salary. Uh-huh. Um then the WNBL, um, same thing, just depends on what team you play for, how much money each team has. But I would definitely say that all the trainings that I did in college were tougher than anything I've done in Australia. <laughs> so even when I played in the WNBL for the West Coast Waves, definitely 
college training was a lot harder. Yeah. Um, I can remember, oh, we were talking about lots of sprints. Um, I can remember um, we had lost a game just before we went to our three-day break over Christmas time um, and we had we'd played awful. Um, and anyways, Pam wasn't too happy when we came back. Um, and I can just remember every missed box out, every missed shot, every time you weren't in the correct stance or every time you missed a rebound, whatever it was, we got a sprint added up. Um, and at one stage, I reckon we had about 50, 50 to 60 sprints up on the board. And yet you had the 12 seconds to get down and back. And if you didn't get down and back, then the sprint stayed up there. So yeah, I definitely have fond memories of those <laughs> running. They were definitely my favorite. That's for sure. <laughs> nightmares, nightmares oh. about those days. I remember one time Still during, nightmares. <laughs> during winter break, I think it was, they put, I don't know if it was 10 minutes or 15 minutes up on the clock. And then at four baskets, we were just shooting free throws and every free throw we missed uh, a point got put up on the scoreboard and that was one sprint. And after about 10 or 15 minutes of all of us shooting nonstop, I think there, once again, there were like over 50 misses during that period of time. And I just was thinking to myself, there's no way that they can make us run 50 sprints. And we ran a lot of them. And then I think maybe they gave us some chances to like somebody shoot a free throw. If you make it, then we'll take two off, you know, but it was, it was oh, not let's be honest I shed a fair few tears in those in those sprinting sessions that's for sure I know I know but hey you know what we stuck them out yep mental Uh, toughness we got through it never thought we would survive but we did just yeah we just got through Um, let's be honest there was a few ice baths over those after those running sessions oh man gladly put me in an ice bath please so what did you decide to major in and were you concerned about whether your degree would transfer when you went back to Australia? Um, so I majored in, I got a Bachelor of Science in Sports Management. And when I came back, I worked for Basketball WA. Um, so we have a, the governing body of basketball in Western Australia. Um, and I used to go out to schools and run clinics out there. So you know, I guess what I majored in did translate back to um, Australia. It's not what I'm doing now. I ended up going back to school a few years after I'd been home, probably five or six years after I'd been home already. A graduate diploma of education, sorry. Um, (laughs) And so now I'm teaching. (laughs) Yeah. So I teach in primary school. So like Um, primary school, we're talking little, little kids or? um, So our primary (laughs) school goes from um, about or well, they go from kindy which or kindergarten which is 4 years old uh-huh. um, until year 6 which is 12 13 okay and you're teaching all those different levels uh, so i at the moment i do um, but usually i prefer the older kids so around year 4 year 5 so 10 11 12 yeah I've, I have friends that teach like fourth grade um, and they say that that's the best year. They love it. And I think you're around 10 years old or so when you're in fourth grade yeah. and they say that that's, yeah. the, that's the best age. <laughs> I think it is too. You know, they're not, you don't get the tantrums like you do with the little ones and you can have a bit of a joke with them when they start to get a little bit older. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And now you have a little one of your own, which I see him on the screen right now, little Theo. Is his full name Theodore? No. So his name is Theo. Okay. Just Theo. Yeah. Theo George Captain. (laughs) Yeah. My college teammate is now a mom and you're not the only one. There are several uh, teammates who are moms now, but it just, it's so neat to see you with your own you know, offspring, your own child. It's just crazy. It's wild. I I know, but you know, I'm 32 now, so it's probably about time I had a child. Yeah. Tell me (laughs) about it. Settle down, settle down. Yeah. You'll be next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so you, you came back from, well, and the whole process of being an international student, graduating and then making the decision, okay, now what do I do? Do I go back home? Do I stay here where I've spent the last four years where I have like a social network and a, you know, just, you know, a lot of people that could help you get a job. What was that transition? Like once you graduated, knowing that you could not legally stay in the United States, unless you had some sort of work visa or something like that. Obviously I talked about being homesick. I think I cried in the first year about wanting to go home because I was so homesick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the the fourth year in my senior year, I think I cried because I wasn't ready to go home. So it was tough, but like I said, I'm was I'm so close in my family. I couldn't actually imagine, you know, being a mum and having my own family if my family weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was the best decision for me to come home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came home and in order to continue my basketball, um, I obviously played in the WNBL um, and also our state league. But, yeah, I think... You know, it was a big adjustment, but obviously I did come home to family and I did have friends already, people that I already knew. So that was pretty easy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's great that you're able to go home and continue your basketball career because here in the United States, obviously, you can only continue your basketball career if you're drafted into the WNBA. But, you know, going home, you still had the opportunity to continue playing at a pretty professional level. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I think that's one thing kind of America's lacking a little bit. Um, it's got a very big high school AAU or, or you know, I'm not sure what you call it. Yeah, AAU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then also, obviously, you know, the WNBA is quite, quite big. Um, I think that's what it's lacking. It doesn't really give those players that aren't quite ready to give up but aren't quite at that WNBA level, a chance to keep playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like you say, not everyone wants to go overseas and play in another country away from their family. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely think I was lucky in that I could keep playing basketball, but I definitely think that's one thing that America is lacking um, as far as their sport goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate it a lot. And I it's so common here for people to be 25, 28, 30, 35, and still playing a sport, you know, and back home, that's just kind of unheard of unless it's a rec league that you play just once a week and there are no practices. Yeah, no, that, yep. I, I think that, you know, I'm one of the eldest on my team now. Um, I'm 32. So it's, it's nice that I can still kind of still play. And also, obviously, after having a child that I'm still able to get out there, run around a bit, obviously not the same as what I was before. Um, but I try. So yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk about that. You came back from the United States and you went right into playing professionally winter and summer leagues for like five years. Yep. So five years I played, um, in the WNBL for the West coast waves. Um, and then when I decided to do my teaching, 
because we used to obviously have to travel from the west coast to the east coast of Australia and um, we were doing that quite regularly um, it just meant that I couldn't really do do that um, and I needed to think about my career and what I was going to do for the rest of my life yeah um, so I decided to give up that but I still obviously was able to keep playing SBL which is our the Perth League mm-hmm. and so I've played that for oh gosh I wouldn't even know how many years now so mm-hmm. too many but yeah and then obviously I had Theo um, in 2019 in January uh-huh. uh, and our season doesn't start till March um, so I think I found out I was pregnant about halfway through the season before um, and I stopped playing and I um, helped coach that year. So I was, I don't know, I'll call myself an assistant coach, but I was basically just there to help out a little bit. Um, and then um, when I had Theo, seven weeks later, I decided that, oh, now's the time to start training again. Um, and, look, I did train for probably a good two months before I did actually start playing. Wow. Yeah. First question, mm-hmm. how long is the flight from West Coast to East Coast, Australia? Um, depends where you're going. Five to six cells. Wow. Yeah, um, five to six cells, yeah. Yes, you, you get pregnant in the middle of your season, and immediately when you get pregnant, you immediately stop playing because is that what they recommended, or did you feel, like, tired or sick or – Cause I'm sure a lot of women think about this, you know, they think about how do I balance playing and wanting to start a family? Do I stop playing? Do I play for one month or two months? You know, I don't know exactly what is recommended. Um, balance, basketball is obviously a contact sport and especially in the post. So, um, when you found out you just stopped right then and there. Um, I played two games knowing that I was pregnant. Um, and I'd actually gone and seen the doctor and the doctor said, it's actually not the contact that you have to worry about. It's actually falling over. So that was my fear. Um, I played a game, a girl fell at my feet and I was afraid I was going to fall over, trip over her. So I was just kind of like, I just, you know, there's no guarantee that I wouldn't lose him naturally. Um, but I wanted to make sure that it wasn't something that I did you know so um, for me it was yeah the health I wanted to have a healthy baby um so yeah there was it was there was no question I just decided not you know what that's it but then you still had the desire to come back and continue playing after you gave birth yes I know crazy um I just wasn't quite ready to give up um or go out on that hello um to go out yet um so yeah I thought and also um I've been playing for a few years and I wanted to get to a certain amount of games I think I had seven games to reach 250 250 games in the SBL league so I thought oh you know I'll come back I'll play the seven games I'll finish out the season and then I'll be fine um and then obviously this year I did pre-season um and then COVID hit so Yes, that kind of put a stop to that one. So right. I'm thinking about next. I'm thinking about next year, but it's not certain yet. It's not set in stone. Yeah, and then you would balance that because you're teaching full time during the day. Yeah, so I'm teaching full time during the day. Um, I'm only actually working two days. Okay. Um, I had a whole year off last year just to be a mum, and then this year I've just decided to go back two days. Okay. So I only um, teach on um, Monday, Tuesday, um, and then training's only twice a week mm-hmm. in the evening. So it doesn't really affect, it's not really affected um, by work. And we play on the weekend as well. 
Yeah, that sounds perfect. You know, it's not too demanding, but it's practice twice a week and then a game on the weekend or whatnot to be able to balance that with your your job. It sounds like a great little combination. Yeah, look, it is. It's really good. And, you know, my coach has been awesome. Um, you know, when I first had Theo, obviously having to leave a little bit early from training because I had to be home for Theo to go to bed. Yeah. And, you know, also having a supportive partner who's willing to look after him when I go to trainings. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's been really good. Um, and it's nice to be able to share something that you do with your little one. Not that he'll ever remember, um, but I've got all the pictures and that that I can show him when he's a little bit older. Yeah, definitely. And then the next thing that you've touched on a little bit that I just wanted to ask you about, the situation with the coronavirus or COVID-19, what has that been like in Australia? And um, when did you, did you guys have to quarantine or when did the league come to an end? Because I know in Spain it was like the week of, it was around the 12th or 13th of March that they told us we were all finished. uh, We went home, there was a state of alarm, and then all of a sudden we were in quarantine and we weren't able to leave our houses, basically. Uh, What was your experience like in Australia? Yeah, look, we were the same. Um, Not so much the quarantine, but things did shut down. um, And basically we were given restrictions that we were allowed. Um, So I think we, our season was due to start around the 20th of March, maybe around that. I can't exactly remember the date. Um, So I think we played, um, we play a pre-season tournament, which is usually the long weekend, first weekend in March. Um, So we played that and then we would have a week off and then we would play our first game the week after. Um, Anyways, the week before, literally, we played the pre-season tournament and then the following weekend, COVID. So it kind of got put on hold. It wasn't cancelled 100%. I think we did maybe a couple of months and then they said, no, SBL is cancelled. But they actually brought in a smaller league. It was 10 weeks or yeah, around 10 weeks, 10 games with a small final series, which they've called the West Coast Classic. It was to have no imports. So all imports got sent home and just to have local players, um, which I decided after having done a whole preseason and then sitting out for two, three months that I would not play in the West Coast Classic um, and that I'd just reassess for next year. So it's been quite, I mean, I do miss basketball still. Um, I have gone down and watched some of the games, but it has also been nice just to not worry about what am I doing on the weekend, where do I have to be to play basketball, um, and every night not having to go to training you know, right. um, yeah. and just being able to stay home. So it's been quite nice as well. Yeah. It kind of surprises me that you guys had the same situation that we did in Spain and around the same date because you're closer to China than we are. Yeah, look. COVID hasn't been as bad in Australia. Um, Obviously right now, I mean, I can't tell you the exact numbers, but I think we've only got maybe one or two active cases and they're actually people who have come from overseas and they're in quarantine anyways. But we did pretty much, I think, when it started to get bad everywhere, um, when it was really bad over in Europe, I think our government decided that it was the best thing to do was to kind of shut things, only have essential businesses open limit how many people you could have at your house, limit how many people you could gather with, you know, restaurants, pubs and all that shut down. Um, And I think because we did that quite soon um, before it got too bad here, we kind of limited the amount of cases that we've had. Mm -hmm. Um, At the moment um, in WA we're doing really well, but our borders are shut to the rest of Australia. Um, 
So if you come into WA, you have to quarantine for two weeks. Whereas the East Coast in Melbourne at the moment, I know that they are in lockdown because um, they've had another um, surge of cases of, of COVID. So, uh-huh. and you know, when I say it's quite high, I mean, for us, high is two, 300 cases a day. Whereas, okay. you know, in other parts of the world, it's thousands. Right. So we are right. still very lucky in Australia. Um, do you guys have to wear masks when you're out in public spaces or? Um, so at the moment in, they they were never made um, mandatory in WA. Okay. Um, I know over on the East Coast, they have made the, they have made it mandatory that you have to wear masks. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I would say no one really wears them in WA at the moment because we don't have any real cases. And I think we just practice social distancing, good hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um and that means that, you know, we're okay over here. Yeah. They still, you know, we went out for dinner today. Um, they still have limits on how many people they allow in a building. And, yeah, so okay. that's pretty much all they're doing at the moment. Okay. Well, it sounds like yeah. you guys are in a pretty good situation. I know here in Spain we're having more and more cases every day. So they're actually thinking about um, banning smoking in unlike patios of restaurants because when you're smoking, of course, you don't have your mask on. And yeah. um, so they're thinking about, you know, not allowing people to do that. And it's, it's quite the debate. Um, so quite controversial over there. Yeah. And I think they've even shut down um, dance clubs now. And the people that run the dance clubs are, I don't know if they're suing, but they're, they're taking it up with the state to, to protest and say, you know, why? And uh, it's, they're trying to to just do the best they can to cut it out and stop it from spreading, you know, and but not everybody is happy about the different measures that they're taking. So, um, okay, a couple quick random questions to ask you before we finish out. Um, what jersey number do you wear and why? Uh, number 20, and because it's a family number, it was actually the number that my dad wore to play football and also the number my brother wore when he first started playing football. Um, So I'm still number 20. I was number 20 in college. Yeah. And I'm still number 20 now. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Um, And then when you traveled to the United States, was there any sort of food product that you had to put in your suitcase that you knew that you weren't going to be able to have once you got to the United States? Oh, when I was in college, I think the two things that I loved the most were Tim Tams. They're like a chocolate biscuit and um, twisties, which are kind of like, is it Cheetos? I think, but they taste they taste different, but they look like Cheetos. Okay. Um, but I would say it would be those two. Tim Tams and, and Twisties. I definitely think my parents bought lots over, and I'm pretty sure I made most of my teammates try them. So you might have tried them. You probably just can't remember. <laughs> I remember the Tim Tams, and I also remember trying Vegemite. Oh, Vegemite! That's also a good one, but it's not something that I was desperate to have. Okay. Yeah. And I remember, I usually like about everything, but Vegemite was so different. Um, and I don't think I liked it. <laughs> I think it's, it's very salty and I think it's black and it looks, it, it's very off-putting. Um, yeah. oh, you're right. um, so I can definitely see why people don't like it, but we're pretty much brought up on it when we're babies. <laughs> right. And it's like a spread, right? You put it on pieces of bread or you put it on crackers or. Yeah, you put it on toast. You have oh, toast in the morning. Okay. It's like what you use for peanut butter. We use yeah. Vegemite. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so Theo, and then... Theo has Vegemite every morning. 
does he? What is it even made out of? I'm not even sure. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. If it's called Vegemite, you'd think there were there would be vegetables in there. But I don't think it is. <laughs> I think that's the word. Um, okay, and then is there a favorite? Do you have a favorite um, Theo? You're being very um, vocal. <laughs> Sorry, that's my child. <laughs> that's okay. She's probably He's getting ready, ready for bed soon here. Yeah. Do you have a favorite move on the court? What's your like bread and butter go-to move? Oh, I don't even know. It'd be something in the post down low. Maybe, I don't know, drop step one way and then go the other. I don't know. Yeah, uh-huh. that's a tough one. I'm not sure. <laughs> when you were in the United States, was there any sort of word or phrase that you just thought was really funny or that you had never heard before or that you didn't maybe understand at first or that meant something completely different than what it meant back home. Can you remember back that far? Look, I don't think there was any phrases, but you definitely had words for things that were a lot different than us. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we call, you call it ketchup, we call it tomato sauce and just ways you say things like caramel, we say caramel or the other one is like you call them herbs and we call them herbs. So uh-huh. just certain things like that. But I wouldn't say it was a phrase. Um, just certain things, the way that you say things or um, you call things differently than what we do. Right. I, there was one word that I feel like we were talking about was how do you say the word for when you go on a boat, the boat is at the dock. What's the word for dock? Jetty. 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 Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So same thing. It's just a, you, you guys call things differently to what we do. I think, mm-hmm. what do you call um, the boot of a car? Is it the front or the back? The trunk. So you call it a trunk. We call it a boot. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's like the same language, but with little differences that make you stop yeah. and think, wait, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. 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 Look, it wasn't, I mean, Australia to America, it's not really that much different. There's things that you get in America that we don't get over here, but I mean, really, it's not that big of a cultural difference as I'm sure it would have been from you going from America to Spain. I'm sure that would have been a bit more of a cultural difference. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Zoe, thank you so much for catching up with me today. I really appreciate it. It's absolutely great to see your face, to hear your voice. I love the accent. I've missed it for way too long. Um, oh, hopefully I, I haven't changed too much <laughs> no you haven't not at all and I wish you the best more of wrinkles luck. around the eyes <laughs> <laughs> I wish you the best of luck with your you know if you decide to play again um, and just the future teaching career that you have going on oh, thank you very much for having me it's it's been amazing getting um, to be able to talk to you again it's obviously been way too many years so I know yeah no it's been awesome thanks for having me A couple different times throughout the interview, Zoe said if she would have known then what she knows now, she probably would have done things a little differently. I asked what she meant by that, and she said her advice to younger players would be to really think about what you want out of the whole college experience, and really study which school would suit your style of play and further improve your game. That said, she said she'd go back and do it all over again. But what I think Zoe's getting at is what Barb Smith was talking about in last week's interview. Young student athletes need to be active participants in the recruiting process. They need to ask questions, outwardly and inwardly. 
they need to discover what's really important to them on and off the floor and guide their decision from there. And finally, I know you're all sitting on the edge of your seats to know what exactly goes into the Vegemite recipe. Well, Wikipedia says it's made from leftover brewer's yeast extract with various vegetable and spice additives. I'm not sure that helps give you an idea or not, <laughs> but I think you'll have to travel to Australia and try it for yourself. And that's all for this week's episode on Another Season in the Books. You can listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you found me. And why not leave a review while you're at it? Thanks again, everyone. I'm Leslie Knight, wishing you a safe and healthy week.